Welcome back to my podcast, Teaching La Vida Loca, for season two. I'm Annabelle, your maestra loca, and I am ready to kick off season two with even more enthusiasm, magic, and tips and tricks for your classroom. Get set for a ride of inspiration, unapologetic authenticity, and ideas to spark more joy in your teaching journey. I'm turning up the excitement and elated to have you right here with me. I'm not just your host, I'm your cheerleader, and I am thrilled you're tuning in. Buckle up and let's do this. Let's tackle teaching La Vida Loca together. Hi there, welcome to episode two of season two of my podcast, Teaching La Vida Loca, and I am just realizing that it's February 1st tomorrow, which is my mommy's birthday, oh my goodness, Um, and February 2nd is the next day, and if I wait to publish this, it would be 2-2, episode two, season two, on 2-2, 2024, and I'm freaking out about it, but I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna destroy that dream for myself and publish it tomorrow. Anyways, sorry, that's my brain. I'm not sorry, that's my brain. Welcome to episode two. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm really excited about this episode. I didn't ever intend to record this, but um, I do this thing on Instagram called Tuesday Tips with La Maestra Loca. And every Tuesday, I post a video um, that includes some sort of teacher tip. And sometimes it's like something really practical and easy. Sometimes it's a brain break. Sometimes it's a tip on for how you can set a boundary for yourself. Sometimes it's a tip on loving yourself. Sometimes it's a tip on um, an organizational hack or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, And I shared one recently. I think it was number 45, tip number 45, um, that was about seating charts. And it was huge. It, It blew up. It very quickly gained a lot of views. There was tons of engagement. Over 80 people saved the post for later. Um, there were like nine shares to stories, tons of comments. And I was like, wow, this is <laughs> so much better than I thought it would be. And some of the questions made me realize that I could really do a whole podcast, a whole blog on this. And I might do a blog later. Time-wise, I don't have time to do one right now, but I do have time to share on a podcast about how I do my seating chart and how I make it um, very useful for myself and also how I use it as a grading hack and a parent communication or a family communication hack. So I want to share that with you today, and I'm super excited about it. I had to pause and go back and look because I was like, what number was it? I haven't even done 45. I think I'm up to 43 Tuesday tips, but it was episode or tip number 39, which is my favorite number, second favorite number. My favorite number is 33, Um, but it was tip number 39 in case you want to go back and watch it on my Instagram. Um, And basically the first thing I want to tell you about just briefly, because you can watch the video there, is how I make my scene chart super duper easy for myself. Um, I start by making a layout of the room. You can do this by drawing it on a piece of paper. You can do this by, I used Canva. I just grabbed squares on Canva and put them on a blank document and arranged them in the same rainbow horseshoe format that my class is seated in. And I put the number of chairs that I use and um, that's all I did. You print that 
and then, or you print seven copies, however many copies you need, and then you grab sticky notes. I learned this trick from Mary Overton. I used to work with Mary Overton at Skinner Middle School in Denver Public Schools, and I miss her so much. Um, she's an incredible human, a mommy of two now, and um, this is just a great hack. You grab some sticky notes, like the small ones um, that you might flag a book with or, you know, I don't know, just the tiny ones, you know. And you write students' names on those, okay? So you're not writing the names directly on the paper. Write the names on the sticky notes, arrange the sticky notes in the way that you want them to be seated, and then make a copy of that. So your, your paper is full of sticky notes, you make a copy of that, and then you save that paper in one of those plastic sleeve thingies um, so that you can come back to it if you need to. And that way the sticky notes stay intact, where they're supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera. Now you have a copy of your seating chart. This is beautiful because let's say it's a brand new seating chart. If it didn't go so well and you needed to move five people around, all you have to do is pull that back out of the sleeve, move the sticky notes around and recopy it. Because then you can use that same seating chart for several weeks or four weeks or however long you're using it and know that the sticky notes are gonna be able to re be reused all year, really, not all year. Um, I usually have to make new sticky notes every three or four months just because the stick kind of wears off. Um, that's just the reality. If you find extra super strong sticky notes, that would be amazing. You should let me know where to buy those. Um, but I remake them every now and then. But the point is, it's really, really easy to rearrange kids and then make a new copy. I make a copy every week at the start of the week. I make it at the start of the week because it is so beautifully easy to track student participation and engagement on my seating chart as it's happening in the moment if I have this in front of me. So yes, do I carry around a clipboard as I'm teaching? Yes. Um, do I set it down? Sure, absolutely. But my students know this is where I'm tracking it and I'm tracking positive things. Go figure. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you about me. Um, and this is where people have the most questions. So I really wanted to share this with you today. I'm trying to remember if I covered everything seating chart was. I think I did. The ease of being able to copy that is beautiful. The ease of being able to move people around is beautiful. And then you make a new copy each week and you have... Um, uh, something to work off of. Now, when I am tracking participation, engagement, um, and student uh, investment, whatever, every day I'm choosing a different color. So like Monday this week, I used pencil. I usually don't use pencil. I'd rather not. I usually use whatever writing utensil I can grab on any given day. And then um, yesterday I used purple. Today I used green. I like to use flare pens because they bring me joy. It's the tiny things in life, right? So grab your favorite color flare pens and choose a different one for each day. I am never consistent, like Monday is not all the same color. Like I'm sure there are people who could do that. I am not organized enough for that. It doesn't matter to me as long as it's a different color each day. And what I do at the top of the page is I write the date in that color. So I know Monday was written in pencil, Tuesday was written in the purple, and today was written in green. Tomorrow will be written in whatever pen color I grab. Um, the date is important because I know that the codes I'm writing all over my seating chart is going to be linked to how I input their interpersonal and interpretive grade for the week. If you don't know about how I grade um, 
using an interpersonal and interpretive communication rubric. I'll link a blog for you with a free rubric resource that you can make a force copy of and edit as you see fit. You're welcome to it. Um, I'll link that in the blog. I blogged about it like eight years ago. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm really tracking their engagement on here and I'm tracking lots of different things and I'm using like shorthand codes for myself to know what I'm tracking. And because if anybody looks over my shoulder, if a kid gets, sees it or if I set it down and a kid sees it, they don't really know what they're looking at and they're going to quickly move on because they won't understand what, what it is they're seeing, right? So um, I wanted to share some of these codes with you today. So in case you wanted to try this out for yourself, you could. It makes at the end of the week when I go to input grades, it really, really easy. I'm able to add comments really easily. And I'm also able to make those positive phone calls home super, super impactful because I'm able to give evidence and remember exactly what it was that they were doing or why it was that I wanted to call home about this child because I have the notes and they were all shorthand notes for myself made in the moment during the class. I can say, you know, it was on Tuesday because I saw that it was marked in that purple color that I used on Tuesday, right? So um, what I mean by shorthand notes, I write an E anytime a student uses empathy towards another child. It could be helping them with something. It could be encouraging them. It could be like giving them some boost of, um, of praise if they need it when they're working on saying something out loud in Spanish and taking a risk. Anytime they're using empathy to care for one another, I write an E next to their um, name for that day. R is for risk-taking. Anytime a student is really pushing themselves to take a risk in Spanish, I also make a huge deal about that, obviously, in front of the class, unless it's a student that I know doesn't like the public praise, but I'm still writing an R regardless um, to remind myself that, hey, this student is taking huge risks, speaking out in Spanish, this is a big deal. I do a question mark anytime they're um, asking questions, because I love when students stop me and ask questions. Um, I do a plus anytime they're contributing to the conversation. Sometimes they use our super secret hand signals, even though they're not super secret. I can link to a blog on hand signals for you too. Uh, if they use a super secret hand signal to like build onto somebody else, I'll just do a quick plus mark so I remember that they were contributing to the story or to the conversation or to the personalized questions and answers, etc. I do a exclamation mark anytime they use rejoinders. And I don't do this for every single time. It's more like when they instigate the use of a rejoinder within a certain context, and then it kind of snowballs from there. Like everybody realizes, oh, this is a great story to be able to use. Que lastima, what a shame. Or que interesante. Or que asco, how gross, right? So uh, exclamation mark for rejoinder. I use a C for curiosity. A C for curiosity, curiosity specifically, it's different from questioning. Curiosity around other peoples, other cultures, like really showing um, intrigue about a culture or a product or a person. Um, I really want to encourage that curiosity because I want to build curious, empathetic, um, globally open-minded humans in my classroom, right? So acknowledging that curiosity and shouting that out. 
A C plus, when they're close together, is forming a connection between my class and another class. This is really powerful because when I am referencing things to my admin, I can be like, oh man, it was so cool. In um, fourth grade um, in Chile today, they made a connection to art class because they said, you know, they were learning about Dali and I had a little bitmoji of myself up there. And so kids know that they get points, like community class points, anytime they make a connection to another class. But then I also want to indicate it on my sheet so that I can prove to whoever I need to prove to that the students are finding connections between my class and other classes. Um, I do TAB, TAB, for if they opted into taking a break or if I asked them to, you know, just take a break, chill, it's fine, go to the zona de calma, um, do some breathing exercises. Some A lot of my kids will self-opt into that. So I just indicated on my spreadsheet, or not on, not on my spreadsheet, on my seating chart um, in that day's color if they took a break. Um, I use B for bathroom. B for baño. And um, that's just important because I haven't had any issues at this school, but I have at previous schools where there were issues of vandalism in the bathrooms um, and we ended up needing to track everything. So it's just out of habit, making sure that I know who is using the bathroom during my class period. Um, and it hasn't been an issue at all at the school. This is just out of habit. Um, and uh uh, anytime I notice a student is absent, I mark it with an A. This is really helpful for me, um, especially when I'm like going to input their interpersonal and interpretive communication. If there's consistent absences, I'm able to let families know it's, hey, it's really, really hard to um, understand what the heck is going on in my class if you miss a lot because we're like building on and building on. Can they catch up? Absolutely. That's the nature of what I do. It's language. But, you know, if, if for example, a kid was out, I think, nine of the last 10 days and he came in and we were wrapping up a story that we had heard, we had read in like five different reading games, we had already done output activities with, and he was coming in on the last day and was like, wait, what's this story about? I was like, oh, dang, you know. That's really hard. So A is for absent. And I do have one mark that I do for struggling and it's just a little tick. It's just like a little negative mark, a minus. And I try and stay away from that because again, I'm trying to emphasize all the great things that they're doing. But if I notice that a student is really struggling to self-regulate, really struggling to engage, really struggling to maybe stay awake, the negative mark isn't necessarily negative they're not doing it they're doing bad it's so that I can keep a mental record or of this student is really struggling and normally anytime I mark that down it's with a little note over what's like going on and sometimes it's literally like hey they came in they had a really hard time in the class before or hey they're coming in something happened at recess that really triggered them and upset them and so they're really struggling engaging today so if I don't see a lot of question marks and pluses and um, R's next to their name today, that's why. 
my students know that I'm tracking engagement on here. They love that when I make those positive phone calls home, I can literally reference exactly what happened in class. And I'm able to do that because of having this seating chart with me and these tiny cliff notes for myself. What I do at the end of the week is I take that, I three hole punch it, and I put it into a three ring binder so I can access it again if I need to. Um, and it's just three ring binder that always has every single class seating chart. Um, it's stapled together. I teach nine classes a day, so it's like stapled in there and um, I can go week by week. We just, we're in week 24 of school right now, I believe is the week I wrote at the top. The last thing that I wanted to tell you that is also really good if you struggle um, remembering to do brain breaks is to put the brain break that you did that day in that color so you remember like what brain breaks you've used because that can be really helpful. It is um, 10 o'clock at night and I am exhausted and remember I'm pregnant so I'm going to listen to my body and my brain and go to sleep rather than giving you a brand new brain break today. But remember anytime you're looking for a new brain break, go to my website. What? Paul, hold on, Paul's coming in. It's okay. We'll just pause it. It's an authentic podcast. Just just hang on one second. Okay, now I'm forcing him to say hi because if he's going to interrupt, he might as well say hi. Sorry for interrupting. Get back to your scheduled listening program. <laughs> so cute. Okay, thank you. He was cleaning and he found my AirPods. So as I was saying, um, if you ever need a new idea for a brain break, you can go to my website. You can see them there. I shared one on a Tuesday tip, or not a Tuesday tip, um, a reel today on Instagram. I'm always sharing brain break ideas. Um, and I'll go ahead and link my 10-day brain break challenge in case you haven't already participated in that. I'll link that in the show notes for you too um, in case you want to do that with your students. And it's a good one to revisit if you did it like a year ago or two years ago and you forgot it. Maybe your students have. You could redo the challenge. Um, I'm sending you so much love, teacher. Thank you so much for supporting me and this podcast. If you loved this one, do me a favor. Send it to another teacher because it doesn't have to be a world language teacher who would benefit from hearing this seating chart hack and this engagement tracker hack. Send it to a teacher who would benefit. I would be so grateful. And then go ahead and give my podcast a review. Only one person did it last time. I was like, what the heck? Here I am. Here I am begging y'all for reviews. <coughs> no, but seriously, if you have the time, um, take a second to review it on Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out and it helps Google recognize me. Until next time. I will be teaching La Vida Loca, and I am sure you will be too. Take care, teacher. Bye-bye.